The thing is, what you're trying to do is this hybrid commercial slash nonprofit model, which if you can make it work, it's incredibly compelling. But to do that, you have to make it work on a commercial level. Hey, everyone, it's Mark Randolph, and welcome to That Will Never Work. I was the co-founder and first CEO of Netflix, but Netflix was actually my fifth startup. I learned a lot in my four decades as an entrepreneur, and now helping others move their ideas forward has become my life's passion. On each episode of this podcast, I speak with entrepreneurs at every stage of their journey, and then, using a combination of advice, encouragement, and tough love, do what I can to get to the bottom of whatever might be holding them back. So if you've been told that will never work as much as I have, you've come to the right place. Together, we'll prove the naysayers wrong. A lot of people think that social entrepreneurship is somehow exempt from the laws that govern all businesses. But no, even if you're doing good, you still need to be able to pay the bills without constantly having your hand out for donations. As we used to say at one of the nonprofits I worked on, no margin, no mission. So today's episode is really about that. How do you build a sustainable, repeatable model when your primary objective isn't necessarily making money? My guest today, Kenton, certainly checks that box. As a volunteer in a Kenyan orphanage, he noticed that most of the kids were running around without any shoes on their feet. It was too expensive to keep buying new ones as the kids' feet grew. Fast forward a few years, and Kenton patented a one-size-fits-all shoe and distributed over 350,000 pairs to children in need. Today, though, Kenton and I are going to talk through just what he can do to build a commercial enterprise that can support his desire to change the world. It's good stuff, regardless of what kind of company you're trying to build. So check it out. I get pitched all kinds of interesting products and services, but I've got to say, this one is in a category all by itself. So I think without further ado, I'd love for you to jump right in and start off actually a little bit about what is the problem you were trying to solve, but then I want you to get to this quite unique um, solution that you've come up with. Yeah, sure thing. Hi, Mark. This is so fun to share our stories. So you know, for me, this was an unexpected journey, like most entrepreneurs, I think. Right after college, I found myself living and volunteering in Africa, in Kenya specifically. It wasn't planning on my life changing, but probably about two or three weeks into my time, I got to live and volunteer at a small orphanage. And, and I was there every day with the kids and I slept where they slept. I ate what they ate. It was such an incredible experience. But about two or three weeks into my time there, all the kids and I were walking one day down the one road in a village. And I'll never forget it. There's a little girl walking next to me, probably seven or eight years old. She had on a beautiful white dress. I always remembered that. As I looked down at her, I was absolutely shocked at how small her shoes were. She was wearing shoes that were way too small for her feet. The shoes were so small, she had to cut open the front to let her toes stick out. I don't know if I hadn't seen this before, or maybe if she hadn't worn these before or what, but it was the first time I was seeing this and it just really hit me. And so with new eyes, I looked around at all the kids and I noticed that many of them either had no shoes 
or they were doing what this little girl did. They had cut open the front to let their toes stick out because their feet had obviously outgrown their shoes. Later that day, I went to the director of the orphanage, started asking questions. You know, why? I just kind of wanted to understand why so many kids have shoes that don't fit. And he said, you know, we're a very poor orphanage. We can barely afford food sometimes. And so we cannot buy the kids new shoes, even cheap shoes, every time their feet grow. And then he said, these are kids. Their feet are growing all the time. And just right then, spur of the moment, right in that second, it's the only idea I've ever had. But I thought to myself, <laughs> why couldn't there be a shoe that could adjust and expand its size? Why couldn't there be a shoe that could grow? Wouldn't that make sense for these kids? And who knows, maybe more kids around the world too. I wrote it down in my journal. I'm so glad I did. That's kind of where this all started. And again, an unexpected journey, but so glad that I get to be on it. So your product is a one-size-fits-all shoe, or it's a shoe that grows as the foot? Give me more quickly, what yeah. is this thing? How did you solve yeah, that great problem? great question. <laughs> so, you know, I got back home from those travels and grabbed a few friends. We jumped in. Super long story short, I wanted to make a shoe that could grow 10 sizes and last for 20 years. I wanted that one size fits all with one pair of shoes. They'll be ready to go for the rest of their lives. But what we actually landed on was a shoe that can grow five sizes and can last for years. And it kind of depends on how hard the kids are on the shoes, but two, three, four, five years. I wore a pair of the shoes every single day for five years. And it's just an amazing pair of shoes. So I'm not great at naming things, but we call it the shoe that grows. It's just kind of a simple name. Genius. But, um, but yeah, it can, you know, <laughs> so we're so excited. Yeah, it can grow five sizes and it can last for years. So Kenton, I cannot for the life of me picture how a, a grow five size shoe would work. I mean, just to start, yeah. you've got a sole, which either is going to be underneath only a teeny part of your foot when your foot gets bigger, or you're going to have to start off like you're walking in scuba fins. So yes. can you help us? Remember, this is an audio format. It's one of the beautiful, <laughs> intimate things about podcasting. Yeah, Help us picture, if you will, how the hell you do this. Yeah, let me paint a picture here. And you know, this is one reason I've been drawn to your messaging, Mark, on that will never work. Because so many people told me as I was explaining this idea and pursuing this idea, so many people said that will never work because they couldn't quite picture it. And truth be told, I couldn't either. But as we dug into it, and it took six years, it took me and my friends six years to work on this design, to work on this idea. And this was part of it. So my original thought was, could it be like Legos? Could there be two different parts that overlap and can connect like Legos or mm. for the top of the shoe, for the kids to be able to adjust it. Almost like when I was a kid, I had a baseball hat that I could adjust the back with pegs and holes. So we were thinking about that, but we actually landed on something that's super simple, but no one had ever done it before. So we actually have a patent with the US Patent and Trademark Office. Actually, a couple of years ago, we won the Patent for Humanity Award based on this patent, but super simple. Traditional shoes are meant to hold their shape. So we just designed our sole to be a little bit bigger. So it kind of comes up on the edges. Instead of looking nice and tight, it just kind of looks like it's a little bit too big and it comes up. And then we designed those edges to be able to unfold, to be able to give 
So as the foot just naturally grows and pushes against those edges, those edges are not going to hold firm. They're going to give. And as they give, they essentially become extra sole for the edges of your feet that now need it. And that's really where the growth comes from. And then on the top, we have a couple different ways through Velcro and through some loops for kids to be able to actively adjust it. They can adjust the top to where it feels good and fits comfortably. They would never adjust the bottom, but the secret sauce for the growth is in the bottom of the shoe. Pretty cool. I get it. Very clever. Where do you go from here? What have you done with this? Yeah. Is this now just basically, yeah, tell me where this went. Yeah, great question. I, I love telling this part of the story. So, you know, it took six years to work on this. We had started a, actually a nonprofit organization called Because International to put some structure around this. And my friends and I really just wanted to get these shoes to kids around the world who needed them. And this was a passion for me, but it was a hobby in my life. This was not my full-time job and I was so excited that we had done it. We had made a first batch of 3,000 pairs and those shoes lived floor to ceiling in my guest bedroom in all these boxes. <laughs> and, you know, slowly I started to get them out to people I knew that were working with kids around the world who needed shoes. And that's all I ever thought this was going to be. And then in 2015, we accidentally went viral. We had a story come out online about our shoes. And that day, that night, everything just took off like wildfire. That led to so many other stories and videos and all kinds of things. And so in the last six years, since 2015, we've distributed over 350,000 pairs of the shoe that grows to kids in over 100 countries. We love working with partners. So we are not the ones, I'm not the one putting the shoes on the feet of kids around the world. I like to say, I don't know the kids that need the shoes. So we love talking to the people that do. We love partnering with orphanages and ministries and universities and anybody who's out in the world working with kids. And we partner with them. We work together with them to get our shoes to the kids who need them the most. And then something else I'm so excited about, one of our big goals was to produce our shoes where they're being used the most so that we can try to bring local production, cut down on shipping, be able to have more shoes available to more kids in those areas, and try to bring jobs around the manufacturing of our shoes. So excited to say all of our shoes are made in Kenya. There's a great factory that we partner with that employs about 20 people every day making, producing the shoe that grows. That's an amazing story. 350,000 pairs, that's a lot of feet. Well, I guess it's 700,000 feet. You see how I did that? Yeah, double, double that. Hey, we're, yeah, it's, it's, it's looking better already. Yeah, I, <laughs> I should start talking about singular shoes, not pairs. Yeah. <laughs> we're close to a million. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's marketing marketing baby <laughs> that's right <laughs> so Kenton, it sounds like you're crushing it here you're doing good so what are you talking to me for yeah mark i've got so many questions so many questions <laughs> it all revolves around i believe so strongly in this product in this idea and it's my baby i'm so attached to it don't see many other things out there like it so my biggest question revolves around am i messing this up someone told me once my goodness, you've got this idea and you accidentally went viral. You've got lightning in a bottle. You need to use this. You know, you need to maximize this. And I think there's part of me that just is really wondering, what am I not doing? What else can I do? What can I do better? You know, one part of this story too that I haven't mentioned yet, when we went viral, we had all these people reaching out to us and many of them were asking from the US, hey, can I buy these shoes for my kids? 
And we told them, no, you cannot. Like, that's not what we do. And we kept telling people no, but so many people asked that we finally made that available. So we do have a commercial side to this. And we actually called it something different to try to brand it differently. It's called Grow5, G-R-O-F-I-V-E. So Grow5, and we sell these commercially and the sales come back and 10% of revenue comes back to our nonprofit to support our nonprofit work because that's really what we're all about. So on the commercial side too, it is very slow. It is very competitive. And we're not really sure where to go there as well. So on the nonprofit side, 350,000 pairs, and we're proud of that. And we're proud of our production in Kenya. We're proud of the work that we're doing. We want to do more. And on the commercial side, it's going really slow. But we know that if that could ever take off, that that equals so much more awareness and attention for what we're doing. And that equals dollars in the bank account for the nonprofit so that we can do more work there too. I'm just so worried that I'm not doing this as well as I should and that there's more I can do and I want to maximize this. I want to take this as far as I can take it, Mark. Well, then let's talk about the commercial side for a minute because I think your instincts are right that if you can, I mean, this is a big if, if you can turn this into a commercial success, it begins to, like you said, drive percentages of revenue toward the nonprofit, supports that. Lots and lots of positive good can come from it. But let's talk about that for a minute. Start with why. Why would somebody in the United States want to buy a pair of these? Great question. I feel like I have five answers. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Give me five five (laughs) answers, but give them to me in order. Okay. Give them to me in the order that you think, and then tell me whether you know this or just think this. What are the reasons why somebody would want to buy a pair of these? I'm guessing that number one on the list is not fashion. Well, number one on the list is not fashion. One <laughs> okay. through five have nothing to do with fashion. Yeah. You know, the, the number one thing I'm we sorry. hear from our, from our customers <laughs> is the mission. They love our mission. They know that our commercial product is tied to our nonprofit and what we're doing with the shoe that grows. They know that and they want to help out. And so number one reason is mission. Number two reason is because it grows and people want to have a growing shoe for their kids' growing feet. Why? Because they are tired of their kids quickly outgrowing shoes. Is that a proxy for cost effectiveness? We thought so. That was really our main projection heading into the commercial. We thought we would be a perfect shoe for a thrifty mom or dad. It is not a thrifty option. At $40, even though it grows and could last two, three, four, five years, it is still a much thriftier option to buy shoes at a well, at a thrift store or a $10 pair of shoes on Amazon or Walmart, Target, something like that. And we've heard people tell us that. So we know we're not a thrifty option, but we do have many people that like the idea of a shoe that grows for their kids' growing feet. Probably the next one is an outdoor shoe. We have a lot of people that purchase it and give us feedback that this is great for hiking, for water, for rafting, kind of a water outdoor type of a summer shoe. And we get a lot of that feedback. We also get a lot of feedback and we know this, I'll explain. We have people that have foot issues. So maybe they have feet that are one foot is larger than the other, different foot abnormalities or pain or or just different foot issues that a traditional shoe does not quite do it for them. And for them to buy orthotics, especially made custom shoes are very expensive. And so they can take our shoes and adjust them on the top to wherever feels comfortable. 
We also sell almost like on an airplane. If someone needs a, an extension of their seatbelt, we sell extensions to our Velcro so that people could even extend it a little bit more to fit their foot. And we sell a lot of those on the commercial side. And then the final thing we hear feedback on and something we'd love to maybe explore a little more is the environmental side of our shoe design. One shoe that could replace three or four or five other pairs of shoes and the good that that could do for the earth, that concept. And so we do have uh, people that reach out to us and are interested in our shoes because of that. And Mark, truth be told, I listed off five things there. That might be one of our problems. We've talked about that. Are we all things for all people? Are we trying to do too many things? We're trying to please too many people with one pair of shoes. We need to focus on one of those areas or do we just keep making this pretty general? We believe we do not have a product market fit on the commercial side that drives increasing traffic and sales. That's for sure. First of all, I think the fact that you've identified five potential uses, which all seem drivers, which all seem to make sense, is actually pretty commendable. When I asked that, I didn't think you'd be able to do this. I suspect though, go back to the fashion one. Yeah. And again, we're going to have to do this without relying on the visuals. Just how funky are these things? <laughs> you know, picture it. I mean, is this really pretty bad? It used to be real bad. I will say that. I'm going to break the fourth wall here. And for those of you who are watching this on YouTube, you can now follow along here. But Kenton, hold one up here for me. Let me see. Yeah, sure. And I'll have to translate for all the people. This is what it looks like. It's almost like a shoe sandal hybrid. So it does have kind of a toe flap that comes over your toe. It looks like a biking shoe got into a horrible accident. Yeah, I've never had it described as that, but that's pretty accurate. So again, you know, the kids can adjust these Velcro straps on the sides and over the top. There's a Velcro strap on the back. We also have kids that this back piece is removable. So it could be worn more like a slip-on, like kind of a sandal, a traditional sandal. Very cool. It's gotten better looking over the years. <laughs> oh my God, that scares me. <laughs> but it's not a beautiful shoe. It's not a fun, kid-friendly, hey, look, I want that one kind of a shoe. I was going to try and describe this to people who are just listening. It's actually cooler looking than I originally thought. Oh, great. Kind of technical <laughs> in a cool looking way. It's got lots of yes. little buckles. And yes. now it's in black. Is this basically, you can get it in any color you want as long as you like black? On the commercial side, we do have four different colors. You got a few options there. On the nonprofit side, we do just provide black. It is pretty much kind of a universal color. But on the commercial side, we have every size and we've got four, what we think are pretty fun colors. Okay, I'm going to solve your problem for you right here. Oh, I'm ready. This is what I wanted, Mark. This is Listen, occasionally I have these genius ideas, and I must say so. This is one of my genius ideas. So the thing is, you're right. If you haven't yet found product market fit, you're right to keep on trying to experiment. I think some of these are potentially compelling because they represent very big markets. Mission-driven shoe, big market. But the problem with a mission-driven shoe is people's willingness to buy a mission-driven shoe only goes as far as they're willing to have someone see them in public with it on. In sure. other words, it's one thing to go, I love the, like Tom's, which is my most famous case probably, but you go, mm -hmm. I love the idea that I'm buying this shoe and then part of the profit is going to providing free shoes elsewhere in the world, which is very similar to your model here. But Tom's shoes are kind of cute. 
people would buy those shoes, it's more of a differentiator. It's an above and beyond. It's already kind of a cute little shoe. So you have to be careful with mission-driven is that if you're fighting against, especially with shoes, people's propensity to look good in them or to want to wear them, and then the kicker, no pun intended, is that you're also feeling good about yourself, that's great. And I think environmental is in the exact same category. In other words, this is a shoe you can feel really good about buying, but not unless people really like the way it looks. So I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. Okay. The other two, there's grows and there's foot issues. Right. Eh. Yeah, listen, that's a category, but it's a hard category. It's not a bad one, but I would pick one aspect of it where you could really try and get some traction out of it. For example, hypothetically, I'd pick if your feet are different sizes. Right. But again, it comes back to it's got to be something that I actually want to wear, and that's the challenge. Okay, so that leaves the outdoor shoe piece. But this is not the big idea, but I think outdoor shoe is an interesting category because of the fact that you don't really, it's the, the outdoor shoe is about utility. Right. And I do a lot of water sports. I do a lot of whitewater kayaking. I do a lot of sea kayaking. I do a lot of rafting. And there you're constantly getting in, getting out. Your feet are always wet. You do not want a shoe which holds water. You want it to get wet. You want it to dry in camp. This potentially could be a great water shoe, but now people are making very dedicated and focused water shoes. So you'd have to play with how important is sure. the multi-size thing? Not that much. Okay. I think the way you crack this nut is you make, this is the genius idea, which I'm sure you've thought of, Ready. is you make the idea a trendy thing. What I would do is you have a hugely compelling story and you're a pretty persuasive guy yourself. So we can talk about how we get there. Okay. You want to end up with 10 designers, as famous as you can get them. Okay. You can get Kanye you know, whatever. And you say, yeah, <laughs> here's the shoe. This shoe is made up of how many parts is it? How many pieces are in that shoe? What's the bill of materials? The bottom is one mold and the rest is an upper piece that has uh, one, two, three, six. The upper is one piece with uh, six straps and then a front piece. And how many buckles? Any? Not all any Velcro. buckles. It's all Velcro except a, a front piece. Yeah. What I'm getting at is you go, okay, the Velcro, for example, is sewn on. So you could have different color Velcro. You could have all the Velcro different, all the same. You could have different things. Can the straps be different color or are they all the same? Yeah. If the straps can yeah. be different color, certainly the top can be different from the bottom. Yeah. I wonder if you could figure out a way to mold so you have the bottom one color, the top another color. Yeah, for sure. But you basically put together a kit, mm-hmm. which the designer doesn't need to physically do it, but you go, here's all the pieces you have to work with design a shoe for us. And you're doing this because you're helping all these kids all over the world who don't have shoes. And you're going to get them on Instagram. You're going to basically, hopefully, get the easy of one-size-fits-all shoe. Mark, I was going to say that will never work, but I think that might work. That's not a bad idea. You've got to open up the colors. You've got to let people do the craziest, coolest, weirdest things, because then it'll get you that attention. And then... Not only is it 
this is mission-driven. If I buy these shoes, I'm helping buy two more pairs for kids around the world. And I feel really good about myself because this is a shoe that's not going to end up in the landfill as my kid outgrows it. Or that I'm going to wear it because it wears for five years, for God's sake. But fundamentally, I'm going to wear it because people go, that is a cool-looking shoe. Where did you get that? Yeah. And they go, oh, isn't that the Kendall Jenner designed shoe? Right. All you got to do, listen, I know several influencers, and I could see this being something that you pitch them as a do-good thing. And they don't need to do a lot of work. Designing it just means futzing around with the colors, and then you do all the heavy lifting. And you don't even need to make... You have three or four styles that are a bit more trendy, and this just drives it. And then some of them are one of a kind. Some you only do 50, some you do 500. I'll hook you up with someone who's, oh gosh, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think the podcast has aired already. In fact, I know it has. Yes, it has. Oh, it runs a sneaker marketplace. This is perfect. In other words, Ken, we'll get you set up here. Mark, I'm in. And we've never done this kind of stuff. It's not like we've gone down that road and already tried it lots of times and that didn't work. We've never gone down that road. And hey, I'll try anything. I love trying things and we're in that experimental mode still and we're happy to make this work. Because again, we we can see it. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. If we can make this happen, if we can have success on the commercial side, that's going to drive so many eyeballs and, and so many uh, dollars into our nonprofit. And then we're getting more shoes out to kids. We're getting... And we, we, we have another awesome program where we train entrepreneurs to work on their ideas and, and we want to keep funding that. We've, it, we call it the Because Accelerator. Like we're just so excited about what we're doing and we just want to drive and, and maximize. Again, that's my whole goal. How can we maximize this? And if it takes some funky colors, <laughs> I'm in, I'm in. So thank you, Mark. This is great. The thing is, what you're trying to do is this hybrid commercial slash nonprofit model, which if you can make it work, it's incredibly compelling. But to do that, you have to make it work on a commercial level. You can't say, buy this piece of crap because it's easier than to say, just give me the 10 bucks. Rather than buying something you're never going to wear, you're going to throw in the back of your closet, you're going to feel good about it for a little bit. That's why I think that if you spend a little bit of creative effort into trying to make, and for a piece of article of clothing, I think you've got to go to make it compelling. You've either got to do something where it succeeds in spite of itself, or you go down the, let's see if I can get a viral hit and make these things cool. Yeah. And potentially you can. And I think a great model for you is Crocs, who are now having a resurgence for all sake. But back when that first came out, it was the funkiest, ugliest, one-piece yeah. rubber. What the hell? <laughs> but then they began coming out with them in colors. And another grip was right. Uggs. Same thing. It was a big shearling boot and... But they got people to say, this is a cool, trendy thing, and you have the potential to do that. And if you can do that, that can truly drive the nonprofit. And the fact, which Crocs did not have, which Uggs does not have, the fact that people can feel good about buying this because of its mission-driven yeah. aspect, because of the environmental benefits, win, win, win. Awesome. Mark, for real, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to let you know how it goes. I'll send you a pair. I'll send you a crazy, colorful pair. You're going to love it. <laughs> Fantastic. Listen, offline, let me know if I can help. If you get a program okay. set up, and again, you want to try and make it like an erector set for people. So start with you and your team, breaking it down and go, how can we componentize this? In other mm -hmm. words, how many different pieces can people play with the colors and fabrics? Then go to the person who manufactures, I guess it's a factory in Africa, yeah. whatever it is, and say, what else can we do? What can be different? Because what you want to do is put together something so simple that an influencer who does not have a lot of time can play easily with building something which is just theirs. Sure.
Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, you get the idea. And offline, I'm happy to help you introduce you to a couple of people that I know who might be able to help once you get your package ready to pitch to people. Oh, thanks, Mark. Yeah, I appreciate that so much. And I just want to say, I've been following you on on Instagram for a while. I love the messaging during those six years when we were trying to make this happen. You know, the the very first thing I did when I got back and I wanted to pursue this idea, I tried to give it away because I'd never done anything with shoes before. So I called Nike, I called Reebok, I called Crocs, I called Tom's, I called everybody to see if they wanted to take it. I didn't want any money for it. I just wanted someone to do it because I thought it was a good idea. And everybody said no. And they said that will never work. And that's where I got a little stubborn. I thought, no, I saw it. I was at the orphanage. I saw how a growing shoe would help these kids. And if you're not going to do it, I'll figure out some way to make this happen. And so anyway, I, I love your messaging. And now again, as we work with more entrepreneurs now in, in a new program we have, we get to tell them that. We get to tell them, hey, don't stop. We're going to be your cheerleader and we're going to help you because we didn't stop and now look where we are. And so anyway, just I appreciate your messaging. It, it really does make a difference for people like me. I'm glad it helped. So let's check in again. Maybe, I don't know, six months, nine months. Let me know how it's going. Okay. I'm rooting for you. I will. Thank you, Mark. I really appreciate it. This was fun. The heart of my conversation with Kenton was really about refining his approach to the consumer. Specifically, it's hard to sell a product on the merit of its philanthropic impact alone, especially when it comes to a product that you wear. But if Kenton can make some design changes to his shoe and combine that with some trendy marketing, I think he can really get his commercial product booming, which means a lot more resources for this nonprofit and a lot more kids getting shoes on their feet. Well, that's all for today. And thanks to my guests for entrusting their business to me for a little while. I look forward to hearing back from them in a few months to see if my advice helped. In the meantime, if you want to be a guest on That Will Never Work, I've made it really easy. Just go to markrandolph.com forward slash guest. Fill out the form and leave a voice message right there on the site. While you're there, sign up to get my weekly entrepreneurial advice delivered right to your inbox. Or connect with me on Twitter at mbrandolph. Or on Instagram at thatwillneverwork. Or my newest attempt at denying my age on TikTok, where I promise you won't ever find me dancing without a shirt on. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to smash that like button and leave me a review at Apple Podcasts. I'll see you next time. Thank you.